We are in our fourth week of Game Changer, the series Game Changer that we started. And how many of you guys played this game, Operation, when you were growing up? You're totally, totally dating yourselves, but it's okay. So for those of you who didn't and uh, don't know how it works, there's a little man, and he has little cavities in his body, and there are body parts in there. And the goal was that you had to take some tweezers and you had to get in and take the defective body part out. And you got points for that. But if you hit either side of the little cavity, the little nose lights up and it gives you a noise and, and you pass on your turn. So I'm one boy in a family of four kids. I have three sisters, two older, one younger. <clears throat> and we used to play this game, but we took it to a whole new level. And we, we did this game. We didn't just play the board game. We did it. So here's a picture of, of how we did it. So this is us, right? <laughs> so here we are ready to operate on my poor little sister who we used to take and we used to draw all her organs with a marker on her stomach. And she was always the one that was sick. I don't know why. She's just the youngest. So we picked on her. And... Um, my mom took this photograph, and I've often wondered if, if she showed my dad, do you want to know what your kids do when you're at work? Here's, here's what they do. And I, I think we probably have a potential doctor in the family. These, these kids love it. So my sister, Jean, who's on the right, our chief surgeon, is totally re ready and dressed for surgery. She's got her curtain, whatever that is she's wearing on herself. She's got her surgical mask. She's got her surgical gloves ready to rock and roll. And then my, there's my sister, Teresa, on the left, <clears throat> totally focused, ready for the surgery of the day, surgical gloves, everything ready to rock and roll. And my parents were, had hope until you get to me on the left. And then it's like, yeah, Steve's got mittens on. <laughs> um, not going to be a doctor. Not, not happening with, with, with Steve-o. So anyway, plus I don't do blood. If you show me blood, I'm on the floor. I am the biggest wuss of all. So as we've been doing our series on Game Changers, I've been picking up nuggets from these past three weeks. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this is how church works for me. I go to church, and I try to walk away with something that I can put into my life the next week and practice it and put it in, and I just build week after week after week and build on it. And I've picked up some things these past weeks, and our hope with this whole series called Game Changers is that you would be able to engage with the Word of God on another level, and that it would be a game changer for you as you get into the Word of God. So today's message is about experiencing the impact of God's Word, and I wanted Operation, this game, because I think there's a lot of parallels between the Word and this game. But I'm going to ask you some questions first, and I want you guys to just think of these things, and, and today is going to be a series of questions, and then I want to share some stuff. But the first thing is, I'd like you to think of some words that would describe your current Christian walk, your current Christian life. So just take a minute. I'm going to read some to you and see if you identify with any of these just to get kind of a, a pulse on where you are in your Christian walk. So would you describe it as growing, as frustrated? Is it disappointing? Is it fulfilled? Forgiven? Are you stuck? Are you struggling? Are you joyful? Do you feel it's defeating? Is it exciting? Is it up and down? Is it empty? 
Is it discouraged? Does your walk feel like it's just a sense of duty? Is it intimate? Is it mediocre? Is it painful? Is it dynamic? Is it guilty? Is it vital? Is it so-so? So what would you use to describe your current Christian walk? <clears throat> and here's the question. Do you desire more? So I'm going to read you Psalm 1611. It says this. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Now that's cool. That's from God, right? You can't get much better than that. We could just close up and go home, but we won't. So John 10.10, 10. this is a verse that's kind of one of my life verses, and I love this verse. It says, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So today I want to ask you something that's really hard. This is, this is hard for me, and it's probably hard for you too. And that is to be 100% honest with yourself this morning. When I ask the questions, it's not for me, but it's for you. So I want you to be honest with yourself. So here's the question. <clears throat> Are you living an abundant life? Not material things, spiritually. Are you living an abundant life? Or are you just getting through life day by day and not really finding any joy in your days? Jesus said this too. He said in John 7, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. So, do you feel that you have streams of living water flowing from you? Are you the type of person that others are attracted to? Is God visible in the way that you live your life every day? And is your Sunday different than your Mondays and your Tuesdays and Wednesdays, Wednesdays or are they all together? They blend the same. So I know it's Sunday morning and you didn't come to have a quiz and those are hard questions. So I have a confession to make to you. So in my walk, up until a number of years ago, I was what I call a Martha Christian. So you know the story of Mary and Martha. So Jesus came to Mary and Martha's house, and when he got there, Mary, their sisters, Mary sat down at Jesus' feet, and she just listened to what he had to say. And Martha's there trying to get everything ready. She's getting the dishes ready. She's making snacks. She's making lemonade. She's getting everything ready, making sure everybody has a chair, that they're comfortable being the ultimate hostess. And the whole time she sees Mary over there and she's getting all ticked off. So, so she finally says to Jesus, can't you say something to her? And Jesus goes, Mary, Mary, chill. Or Martha, chill. Mary is doing what's right. She's doing what's right. You know, as I think about my Christian walk up until a number of years ago, I was the Martha, right? So I do things that I'm not always proud of. I still get mad. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a regular guy. I get mad. Sometimes things come out of my mouth, and, and I don't want them to, and I can't get them back. And I very rarely let the aggressive driver in Massachusetts to cut in front of me, right? But I do a lot of things right, and I try really hard. I don't cheat. I try to follow the rules. You know, I go to church. I do my small group. I do music. I read my Bible. And I do all these things because that's what a Christian's supposed to do, right? We're supposed to live this way. But if I'm totally honest, 
a lot of my Christian walk up until a number of years ago was just dry. It was dry. And I've shared before that I've sat in the seats that you guys are sitting in and I felt totally lonely. It's like, this is weird. I'm in the church and I shouldn't be lonely. I shouldn't feel lonely in a church. But it's just been dry and I'm just going through the motions. And I see these other people, I call them the merry Christians. They're full of Jesus and they're happy and they're joyous. And sometimes you just don't like them because they're having a great time, right? They have joy. Even when things aren't going well, they still have a great perspective on it. And they're, they have joy. And it's like, how do you do that? And they say, I am in love with Jesus. And if you had asked me, do you love Jesus? I would have told you, yeah. Yeah, I, I love Jesus. I love God. But I'm not in love with him. There's a difference. And I thought, what, what's missing, right? So when we were kids and we used to do this, we used to draw on my sister's stomach and we would go get my mom's kitchen utensils and we would perform the operation, right? I don't think that we ever actually cut her. Maybe we did, but she lived and she survived. But it was all superficial, right? We did the operation on the outside and we never actually went in. And sometimes I actually think we treat the Word of God the same way, that we read it, on the surface, but we refuse to allow it to go in and to make any changes on the inside. And then we wonder, this book is boring. This book is dry. My walk is dry. And it's as if we would write or tattoo on ourselves, help me or fix me. Put it right across your heart, fix me and tattoo you. Tattoo it. And then when Jesus comes to do that, when God wants to operate on you, we go, ow, that hurts. I'm good. Stop, right? And I started to wonder, why? Why do we do that? So a couple things. One, I think that sometimes we're just afraid of what we're going to find if we truly let God in. And if we truly start to, to work with God, we're going to have to deal with some stuff. And I think we're afraid of it. Second, I think that we're also afraid of what we're going to have to give up. You and I have all created a life that we kind of get it to like we like it, and we're afraid that we might have to give up some stuff. And then third, I think that we're afraid of who we're going to have to follow, where we're going to have to make a choice. And we don't want to make a choice. Hebrews 4.12 says this. It says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, guys, we can be afraid of that. That's what God says about his word. But here's my thing to you. Here's my challenge to you. What I want you to do today is weigh it out. Weigh it out. Those words that I just asked you to describe for your walk, you have your Christian walk right here, and then you have what God says in his Bible about you and what he has for you. And you got to weigh this out. Which one do you want? So today, I want to start, I want to read some things that God says to you about you and some of the things that he has for you. So this isn't me talking. This is the God that created you. And this is him speaking through his word. This is what he says. So weigh this out, okay? I dig this, right? And God digs it, so we're just going to do it. So James 1.5, he says this. If any of you lacks wisdom right? If you lack wisdom, you should ask God 
who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's cool. That's cool. How many of you guys need wisdom? I need wisdom, right? Don't you need wisdom? Psalm 119 says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I need that. I don't have a clue where to go in life. I can take my best guess, but I need him to light that path in front of me. Oh, this is a good one. Okay. It says, Isaiah, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Come on. That's awesome. Proverbs 16, 9 says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Thank God. I screw up so much. I, I do it all fine by myself. I need him to help establish my steps. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Proverbs 3, 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor in a good name in the sight of God and man. I don't know about you guys, but I want favor with the people that I am around. I want favor with people that I work with, people that I know. And I want to have favor with God. I don't want to be at odds with people. Okay. If you have coffee, go ahead and drink it. If you, if you want to take a chill. I'm going to read you like almost all of Proverbs 2. This is awesome. And so I just want to read it. Okay, I'll shut up and I'll read it. <clears throat> I can't do both. But um, ready? This is cool. This is God. So he says, My son... If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and you cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it like you would for silver and search for it like you would a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding." He holds success in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of its faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, understanding will guard you, Wisdom will save you from the ways of the wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. Is it good? God's word has the ability to change you from the inside out, and I don't know of anything else that can do that. <clears throat> and he's designed his word to be able to penetrate to any area of your life that needs it. So this might mean that God's word will penetrate your mind. If you're worried about stuff, if you're afraid of stuff, if you have stress and you just can't get stuff out of your mind, God's Word can penetrate and take that away. God's Word can penetrate your physical body and heal you. It can penetrate and heal a disease or a sickness. God's Word can penetrate to your soul. It can take away grief. It can take away hurt and anger. God's Word can change you from the inside out. It's alive. You know what's really cool? Some of the greatest things in this earth ever done 
were done by somebody who took one verse and they stood on it and they did something greater than they could have ever done by themselves to achieve God's glory. Some have taken them when God calls them to do something and they hear that and they go out and they stand on it and they say, you know what, God, if you told me to do this, I'm going to do it. And they stand on God's word and they achieve something that's just amazing. They could have never done it by themselves. And they brought God into the innermost part of their being and they used it as fuel to become great and do things for God. But you and me, we should be the exact same way. This book... This book should be the one that propels you and I forward to go from being self-absorbed people to be doing something that gives God all the glory. This book should be the thing that propels you and I from letting Satan have another victory in our life to smashing him over the head and giving him another defeat. This book should be the one that propels you and I from taking somebody who's about to lose it in the jaws of Satan and taking him out and putting him in the hand of God. That should be what propels us. Now, this book, I get it. Sometimes you say, you know, but I, I understand what you're saying, but it's, it's an obligation. I don't read it because I enjoy it, really. You know what? But it's not an obligation, you guys. It's a gift. It's a gift to be able to read this book. This book is the source of your strength. This book is what helps develop your mind and your attitude. This book helps you to know what God is like and how to discover his character. And it tells you what your will is, what his will is for your life. It gives you this positive outlook on life. Who doesn't need that today? But unless we open it, we don't get it, right? Richard Foster wrote this book. It's called The Celebration of Discipline. And he said this. He goes, I have discovered that the most difficult problem is not finding time, but convincing myself that this is important enough to find the time. That is really the issue. It is not that we do not have the time. It is that we do not feel it is important enough to make time. So here's my question, if you're brutally honest with yourself. Is this book important to you? And if you sit there and say, honestly, Nope, I get it. I get it. And I've been there too when this book, it's like, I know, I'm a Martha Christian. I know I'm supposed to read it, but this, it's not important enough to make it a priority. Here's my challenge to you today to get to change that, right? So I've been learning to trust God in his word. I said I was a Martha Christian. I'm not a Martha Christian anymore. And what changed it was I started to trust him enough to go out on a limb and to believe it and experience life through God's lens, right? You see, God sees things differently than you do or I do. And a lot of times he sees difference in life events that you and I can't see because we look at it through our lens and we don't look at it through God's lens. And that's why so many things freak us out and we get scared when th something comes along that we're not expecting because we look at it through our lens. You know, Karen and I, my wife and I, we've been married 30 years and we have a, a joke. It's not even a joke, it's real reality. We finish each other's sentences, and we can communicate volumes just by looking at each other. And the other night, we went to that Franklin Graham thing, the event, and we sat in the second to the last row, and there was a, some people behind us, and there was this lady that was jacked up on Jesus, and she was ready to rock and roll for the concert, and she's screaming at the top of her lungs, Yeah! Woo, Jesus! Crowder! Woo! And she knew she was doing it, and she said, I'm sorry, y'all. I've been holding it in, and I, I can't let it out. And 
I looked at my wife, and I just did my eyes, and she's sitting there smiling. She knows exactly what I'm thinking, that I'm going to take this lady down. But I wasn't. But I, it's just like, lady, you don't have to let it all out here. You're in my ear. Let some of it out of home. I, but, you know, we, we do that, and we know each other so well that the situations will come up, and, and we can just look at each other, and, and each other, we click off each other. And you know what? God's the same way. God wants to have that type of relationship with us that when he does throw a curveball your way, it doesn't freak you out. You know, and there's so many things that when he throws a curveball, there's a blessing in the curveball. But we don't always see it because we don't know him well enough. So a lot of times when life throws a curveball, we, we back up. We go over here and we try to strategize and go, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? And, and we're looking at it through our own lens. And God says, no, 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 no. Come here. If you know me well enough, when the life throws the curveball, the goal is that we get to say, all right, all right, there's a curveball. God, I, I know these things that you say to me. There's things about peace, trust. There's things about how much you care for me, how much you love me. And you know what? Let's, let's go. Link arms, God, and walk me through this. And there's so many blessings in the curveballs. But unless we're willing to welcome the curveballs, we'll miss it. We look at it as something to get through and just get to the back side of it instead of saying, walk with me through this, Lord, and let me have the blessing. Let me get to know you better. And you'll start to trust him more and more. This book is your playbook for life. This book tells you how to have a successful life. All the instructions that you need, but we have to open it. We got to get in and we got to study it and let it penetrate let it get to here and change us, which is how God intended it to be. <clears throat> Do you ever see those commercials? And they don't have them as much anymore, but they have these commercials that have an MRI trailer. And you can just go get an MRI done of your whole body. I, thought, I always thought it'd be cool. I, first of all, I want to see the picture. I want to see what I look like on an MRI. But secondly, it tells you anything wrong with you. And if there's something wrong with you, you get the chance to fix it. It's like, that's really cool. I would want to find out that I've got something wrong before I'm ready to die because I've got this thing and I never figured out. But God's word is the same way. It's like your little MRI for your life. As you read it, it does these little course corrections because we say, oh, I'm off a little bit in that area. Oh, God, you want me to do that? And we course correct instead of just crashing or we wait until it's too late or it's harder to fix. This is your MRI. So there's a building in Columbus, Ohio called the Wexner Center for the Arts. <clears throat> and it's part of the university system. And, and it's a fascinating building. And it was built in the postmodernist view of reality. But the building has no pattern. Inside there are staircases that don't go anywhere. There's columns that don't do anything. They're just there. And when they asked the architect, what, did you, what were you thinking? He goes, I designed it to reflect life. It's mindless and senseless, and it goes nowhere. But you know what? On the inside of a building, you can do that. You can do whatever you want on the inside of the building, and the infrastructure of the building, have it be as crazy as you want. But he could not do that with the foundation. You can't mess with the foundation of a building. You have to design it, or you're going to have all kinds of problems. You have to build it well. You have to design it well. And you know what? Some of us, you guys, we need to work on our foundations. We need to strengthen our foundations. We need to add some cement, some rebar. We need to get some strength into our foundation. 
If you're going to build a one-story building that looks just like everybody else, or do you want to go higher so people see your light? The higher you go, the deeper your foundation has to go, and the better it has to be built. Now, some of us have done foundation. I grew up, and I went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic school my whole life. I had a great foundation. But some of us, when we get to life, what we build on the inside of our life doesn't make sense. It's like we have staircases that go nowhere. We have foundation pillars that go, don't do anything. And our life doesn't really reflect God. And it doesn't show other people God's light. So here's my challenge to, to you today in one of them. And that's, is that you? Have you built an infrastructure that it doesn't mesh with the foundation that you have? Where people don't see God through your life? And if it is, maybe today's the day. You've got to just say, you know what? I want to change this. I want to change this. I want to have a foundation, and I want to have a life that stands for something. Don't be like this Wexner Art Center that has a plan and a building that doesn't make much sense and doesn't have a purpose and doesn't have a plan. If you don't have that, today's your day. Today's your day to change it. You don't have to have a mediocre life, but be honest with yourself and say, I'm tired of settling for mediocre. I'm tired of having this Christian walk where I go to church and it's just dry. And I leave and it's dry and I go through the day and I'm just being a Martha Christian. Your life's not supposed to be that way. And if it's that way, you're doing something wrong. And my challenge to you today, draw a line in the sand and say, I'm tired of a mediocre Christian life. I want to have that abundant life. The one that you talk about, that's what I want. But you know what? It's here. It's in here. So thinking of it, experiencing it, I ask God, you know, God, you know, I want to talk about experiencing the impact of your word. Where has that happened in my life? I think of a couple of recent events. I think of my wife recently lost her dad, and he went through cancer. And it was devastating to watch that happen. But my wife Karen went into the Bible, and she got out the, the scriptures on peace. And she just stood on them and said, God, if I'm going to walk through watching this happen, I need peace because I don't have it. And God came and he gave her a peace that she was the strength to her family. She was the strength to everybody in that whole situation. And she got to the point, said, God, you know what? If you're going to take my dad, that's okay. That's okay. I have peace. When we were raising our three kids, when, then when they were little, Karen came to me one day and I had just started my business and it wasn't going great. And we were both working, trying to raise three kids and needed money. And she came to me one day and said, you know, Steve, I think that God's calling me to homeschool our kids. And I said, no, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. We have bills to pay, and you have to work, and I have to work. And she said, well, can we pray about it? Can, can we just consider it? So we did. We, we stepped in and said, God, is this, are you really calling us to raise our kids and, and to homeschool them? We have three of them. I'm freaking out because I'm going, God, I want to send my kids to college. I want, them, I want them to succeed. And I don't have the money to do this, God. How will this ever happen that we can send three kids to college? But we decided, you know what? If you are calling it, then this book has to be true. Everything that you say, this tithing thing that Nate talked about, oh, my word, I'm putting checks in here and I'm going, I need that. God, I, I need that money but I'm going to put it in there because you said it. Do you love us? Will you, you promise of our kids? And we're going to raise them up the right way? And you know what? Last week, 
our third daughter graduated from college. I'm done. <laughs> but God did that. I don't know where it came from. It came from God. He just blessed it along the way. If you asked me 15 years ago, how are you going to do it? Not a clue. Not a clue. But this book, this book, we stood out on those promises. And that starts to change your life because you start to trust God. It's like, you know what? In a weird way, it's a relief. Because you say, you know what? I guess it's not mine to hold, God. I guess that's yours. If you promise it, I don't have to sit here and sweat it. You do that. You know, I shared recently, too, about I was sued by a former employee. And, and normally, this would have just ripped me inside out. I would have stewed about it. I would have been worried about it. It was a totally fabricated thing. And it was just awful. But God says in this book, you're supposed to pray for your enemies. I got one now. I got an enemy. I don't like him, but I got to pray for him, and I got to love him, right? So God, you say it, I'll do it. So I prayed for this guy, and I prayed for peace along the way too because I said, you know what? I don't want to stew on this, Lord. I don't want to think about it at night. I want to just give it to you, and I did. And you know what? At the very last minute, God shows up and smashes this thing. He smashes it. And I had the peace to be able to say, I'm praying for him. You know what? And it took the anger away. It's hard to pray for somebody and hate him at the same time. It really is. It took the anger away that I would have had because I felt bad. It's like, you know what? You're lost. You're totally lost. You know, and as I've become more of a merry Christian and I've started to learn Scripture and actually get into the book, I find that the Holy Spirit uses it to actually direct me. But now he's using the Bible and he's using the verses in here. Last week I was in a meeting with a guy, and he's just saying the most arrogant things. And I'm thinking, man, you're an arrogant pup. And I'm loading up my verbal shotgun because I'm going to take him down. And I'm just putting in, oh, boy, when you get done talking, I'm just going to go, and I'm going to saw you off at the knees, and I'm going to tell you what I think of you. And you know what? Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. As much as I wanted to just tell this guy and put him in his place, I didn't say a word. Had I, I wouldn't have been able to ever come around and just have a heart-to-heart -heart or be able to speak into his life because I would have just sowed him down, just mowed him down, right? And last week, Greg talked about the value of words, and he used the game of Scrabble. And afterwards, I was talking to Greg, and I said, you know, Greg, one thing that kind of struck me about that in Scrabble, there are words that have a zero point value. And there are words that have great point value in the game. And I don't want to say words that have a zero point value. And I got to stop saying those words that don't have any value. And I want to speak words that have value and speak into people's life. And I'm convinced this, from the transition of being a Martha to a Mary, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that's helped me get there because that's how you truly experience God's Word in your life. And as I've gotten more and more into the Word and started to learn it, this is how the Holy Spirit instructs me. Before, if I prayed about something and I wanted guidance, you would get an idea of what maybe you should do. And it's like, God, is that you talking or is that me talking? Because I can't tell the difference. It's really hard. I don't know. It's like having a library that doesn't have any covers on any of the books. And it's in there somewhere, and the Holy Spirit could show me something. But as I've learned Scripture, He'll actually bring a Scripture to me. And I'll go, oh, that's definitely you, because the enemy is not going to use that Scripture to help me. And I've learned that 
The Holy Spirit is the one now using the Bible to help me and guide me. And when you actually start to learn Scripture, it's like putting the covers on the books, and now you know what it is. The Holy Spirit also helps me to recognize where I'm off, where I've been sinning, where I'm going the wrong path. He enlightens me. He helps me convince, and He humbles me. He uses it to drive me out of myself and draw me closer to Christ. The Holy Spirit uses this book to conform me more to the image of Christ. And he uses it to tell me what God's will is for my life, which I desperately want to know. He uses it to strengthen me so that I'm not tempted and that I don't fail. And he uses it to build me up in grace through my faith. So a woman who goes to church here, she comes to first service, is Ellen Cunis. She's in my small group. <clears throat> Ellen's an awesome woman of the word. And one night at small group a couple weeks ago, we were talking about getting into God's word and what that's like and everything. And Ellen says, you guys want to know how I, how I pray? I said, yeah. So she takes her purse out and she pulls out a stack of note cards and she goes, boom, 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 boom. She had like six stacks of three by five cards rubber banded together. And she says, I've taken and I've written on these note cards scriptures about if I'm scared, I write about what God says about fear. If I'm feeling discouraged, I write about hope. And I write all the scriptures. And so if I'm battling something, and when I go to the doctor's office, I don't pick up People Magazine. I take my note cards out, and I just start going through them. And then just start reading scripture. And I'm letting it get in me, in me. And I'm not fighting the world on my own. Because that changes everything about the situation. I read the Word of God. And I started to think about that. I did that one point in time. I had in my car, I still have in my car a little thing of three by five cards in a spiral. And I wrote scriptures because I, I wanted to start to memorize scriptures. I'm horrible at remembering. I can meet you now and I wouldn't remember your name in 10 minutes. But I wanted to remember scriptures. So I started remembering, memorizing one. As soon as I got that one done, I did the next one. And I would say the first one, then the second one. Then I would add the third one. I went one, two, three. And I did this for a period of a couple months. So I would do it read a couple during the day, try to keep them memorized, and then I stopped. But you know what? When I need God to tell me something, do you know what comes to my mind? Those. Those I can still do today. I let them get in me, and then I stopped. And it makes the world a difference. So here's my challenge as we close to you, close today. I want to challenge you. <clears throat> First of all, if your life is the type where you're just saying, you know what? Yeah, I get your whole Martha thing. I go to church, I leave church, and I go about my life just isn't exciting in my Christian walk, but I'm doing it. I want to challenge you to change that today. I want to challenge you during the week, if you would, take three scriptures out of the Bible. Write them on a three-by-five card and carry them with you this week. Just read them in the morning. Read them at lunch, read them at night. Just read them during the day, right? And ask God, God, will you take these scriptures and make your word come alive to me? And you know what? He will. God digs that. God wants you to take his word and enjoy it. He wants to show you life through his lens. God wants you to have an abundant life. He doesn't want you going through life just bored or discouraged. God wants you to have a life that's exciting. So that's my challenge to you this week. It's easy. Three scriptures a day. Just write them. And I pray that God will bring them to life to you. And I guarantee you that he'll move. 
So let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, I just thank you for our time together today, Lord, and, and I thank you for your word. Lord, it's just living, it's active, it's sharp, it penetrates, it helps us to know what your will is, it helps us to overcome fear, it helps us to be strong, it helps us to be courageous, it helps us to have a good outlook when everything we look around us is going to the south. Lord, it helps us to know who you are, it helps us to know how much you love us, how much you care for us. God, your word shows us which way to turn, right, left, center, do something, don't do something, buy something, don't buy something. Everything, Lord, it tells us what to do, Lord, as we learn it and as we walk with you hand in hand, Lord. We don't have to do this alone. So I pray for my brothers and sisters who would take this challenge this week, Lord, that as they pray, as they write the scriptures down, that you would guide them, Lord, that you would show your word to come alive. Help it when they read the pages, that it would just be new. It would just be, wow, that's pretty cool. I have never seen that particular verse. Maybe they take it and they just meditate on one verse during the day and they just think about it. May it come to life, Lord. It's not a stagnant life. It's supposed to be an abundant life and we want to get from there, from here to there, Lord. So I just pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. Help us as we go through this week and we want to engage, Lord. And we want to have a game changer. We want this to be a game changer where your word is first and foremost and we want to make time with it because it is a gift. So I thank you for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray for a good week for everyone. And I uh, just thank you for your blessings on us, Lord Jesus. Amen. So if that's you today and you want to pray, I would love to pray with you. And um, just come up here and we'll have a word of prayer. Otherwise, have a great day. Enjoy this beautiful weather.